Uh, we are going to get back into Hebrews. We're back into Hebrews chapter number one. If you'll remember, we'll, we'll do a just a real, real brief, uh, a real brief review of the introduction. So, so if you're new here tonight, uh, you won't be left behind. You'll know what we're talking about and what the book was written for. And uh, and then we're going to jump into the first three verses. Uh, that's as far as I got, and I had three pages of notes for the first three verses. And so uh, I had to thin it down for you guys. It usually, if you'll notice in your notes, uh, when I give you a verse, I'll give you the whole verse. But I had to take out some of the content to make room for everything. And so I left the address to the verse that we're going to look at there in your notes. And it'll be up on the screen for you. So don't worry about it. You won't have to be looking them up. And you'll have it for your own notes. If that makes sense, say Amen. But we will get through this. I promise you. This is, this is, uh, uh, we've got page number one, page number two, page number, it, it will happen. It's good stuff too. Amen. All right. If you're ready to study, say amen. Let's look in verse number one, Hebrews one, Hebrews one, one, God who at sundry times where sundry means many, many, more than one, uh, multiple times and in Different or divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, talking about Jesus, y'all, talking about the Son, the Son being the brightness of God, the, the brightness of the glory of God. And the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the privilege and the honor it is to be here tonight. Thank you for your word that you have given us, Lord. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to come and and read and study and learn about your son. Lord, help us to be edified tonight. Help us to be strengthened tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll use your word to establish us in the faith. Lord, I pray that you will uh, meet every need. You know every single person that's here. You know what they came with. You know what issues they have. You know what burdens they have. You know what struggles they have. And I pray that everyone will leave tonight with what they they need. And Lord, I pray if there's some needing conviction, convict them. If there's some needing encouragement, encourage them. Lord, if there's some needing breaking, break them. Lord, whatever it is, whatever is necessary for us to become like your son. And God will thank you and praise you for all that you do. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Don't let me say anything I'm not supposed to, and don't let me forget anything I need to. And God, I'll be careful to give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say it, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let's do a little little quick review uh, uh, real fast, uh, and then we'll jump into the outline tonight. Uh, if you'll remember, we, we said that the book of Hebrews is being written to a group of Jewish believers. These are Jewish believers who are being persecuted. Uh, uh, they are being uh, seduced by false teachers. 
uh, they are trying to be drawn by Satan back into their old way of doing things. They're trying to be drawn back into Judaism, the religion of Judaism. In other words, what they had done all of their life, what they had done since Mount Sinai, uh, they, they were being tempted to go back to the temple, uh, to go back to temple worship, to go put themselves back under the law of Moses. And, and so Hebrews is written for the purpose of encouraging them to stay put, to hold fast the profession of their faith. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He's saying, hang on, hang on. Don't go back. Don't go back. Hold fast to the profession of your faith. And, and we know that the temple was still in existence. So this is before 70, uh, before Titus destroyed the temple. And, and, and we know that uh, uh, they, they, have, they, have, they haven't got to the point. They haven't got to the point where they have been killed for their faith or shed blood for their faith, but they were being greatly persecuted. They were losing their finances. They were losing their jobs, the economy, uh, because the way they made a living, all of this was going against them and they were being tempted to go back. In Hebrews, is, this is a, we can sum it up like this. Hebrews is the writer telling these people, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. He's better than the Old Testament. He's better than the Old Covenant. He's better than the Old Testament priests. He's better than the Old Testament sacrifices. He's better than the... He is just better. He's better than anything and anybody in the Old Testament. Why go back to something that's inferior than what you have at the moment? Say amen. And so... Throughout the whole book, of, whole book of Hebrews, he's better. He's better than Moses. He's better than Joshua. He's better than the angels. He's better than the prophets. Uh, listen, everything. He is better. He is better. So stick with what you have. Hold fast your profession. Now, one of the problems, one of the problems that caused them to get into the shape they were in spiritually is because they had been neglecting the word. They had been neglecting gathering themselves together. First, they, they were forsaking the assembling of themselves together. In other words, they, they were lacking, they were, they, were, they were slacking on their church attendance. Say amen. amen. They, they, they had been neglecting the word of God. And because of that, they were making no progress. Okay? They were making no progress in their Christian walk. You're either going forward or you're going There's no neutral. There's no neutral. So uh, they, they, they were saved long enough, according to the book, they were saved long enough that they should be uh, teaching doctrine and teaching the word. But he said, you're still immature. You have made no progress at the time that you've been saved. You should be teaching others. I got to go back and give you the elementary things. I've got to give you milk instead of, instead of meat. You're immature. Now, so let's start in chapter number one. Uh, if, if Jesus is better, if Jesus is better, I think we need to focus on Jesus. And guess what they did? That's exactly what they focused on. Those three, first three verses, they focused completely on the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, uh, I asked Cesar, I asked Cesar uh, last week uh, in the training center, 
uh, on, on Sunday afternoon, he's in, he's in my DMD training center and, uh, at two o'clock and I asked him, I said, what do you, what do you contribute? What do you contribute the growth of what's happening down there in the Hispanic church? Since, since he's taken over, since, since we've come here on our property, they've about tripled in attendance, which is woohoo. Say amen right there. Big, big deal right there. I said, what do you, what do you contribute that to? And man, without hesitation, he said, I focus on Christ. I focus on, and he said, what do you mean? For a long time, for a long time, I was encouraging them, invite your people, invite your friends, invite your family members to church. Well, if, if you're not familiar with this, most Hispanics in our country, uh, they have a Catholic background. Uh, Catholicism is huge, huge in Mexico and South American countries. And, and most Hispanics have a Catholic background. And when they would invite their friends or their families or their associates or the people they work with uh, to our, our church, they would say, what church? And they would say, Iglesia Bautista, Baptist church. No. Because in their hearts and minds, they felt like they were a traitor to their church, the Catholic church. So they would, and, and, and this is what the Lord kind of spoke to me. He said, stop, tell it, stop telling them to invite them to church and teach them to invite them to Christ. Y'all see the point now? And what Cesar is saying, he says, we don't talk about church. We don't talk about denominations. We only talk about Christ. And so this is what's happening. This is what's happening in Hebrews. The writer is wanting them to focus on Christ. Focus on Christ. Let's forget about the temple. Let's forget about the sacrifices. Let's forget about tradition. Let's, for, let's, let's even forget about what you think we are. Let's just talk about Christ. Hallelujah. And in the first three verses, man, he focuses on Christ big time. So that's what we'll do tonight, all right? And, and so let's jump in. Verse number one. <clears throat> God, who at sundry, multiple, many times, and in divers' manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Now, why would he even bring up the prophets? Because the Jews revered the prophets. They revered the prophets. Almost, almost to a point of worship. Almost to a point of worship. When you go to Israel, if, if you go... As a matter of fact, I'm looking for three more people to go if anybody's wanting to go. Amen. Uh, you done went. You done went. <clears throat> now, listen... Uh, we went to David's tomb, David's tomb. And, and anytime you go to David's tomb, you, you'll find, uh, you'll find people in there praying and almost worshiping, almost worshiping. So they revered the prophets. They revered Samuel. They revered David. They revered, especially Moses, because Moses is the one who brought him the law. So he is mentioning the prophets first. This is what he says. And he said, now there was a time. There was a time when God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That's how God did things. That's how God did things. He said many times in various ways. Sometimes he spoke by visions. Sometimes he spoke directly to them. Sometimes he spoke by parables. But he spoke to our fathers through the prophets. Now let me tell you what a prophet is. Let me tell you what a prophet is. A prophet is a representative of God to the people. Okay, because we're going to talk about a priest in a minute. And a priest is the opposite. A priest is a representative of the people 
to God. In other words, as a priest, I go talk to God on behalf of the people. God have mercy on them. As a prophet, I talk to the people on behalf of God and God's going to judge you. Repent. Turn from your sin. Are y'all with me? And so, so that's the, that's the, that's the different responsibilities of a prophet or a priest. Now, now first he says there was a time. Now watch this. This is really, this will, this will help you understand the difference between the old Testament and the new Testament, how it works together. All through the old Testament, God is giving them partial revelation. Say that with me. And not only partial revelation, but progressive revelation. From Genesis, from Genesis, this is where we get the first messianic prophecy. In the garden, if you'll remember, when, when Adam and Eve sinned and he's confronting them and now he's speaking to the serpent, right? And he tells the serpent, he says, the seed of the woman is going to bruise your head. Your seed is going to bruise his heel. And this is, a, in other words, there is going to be a conflict between good and evil, between God's seed and the devil's seed. Are y'all with me? And, and at Calvary, in that, that instance that he's talking about right there, the, the woman's seed bruising or uh, 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 crushing the head of the serpent, that is in reference to Calvary. That is the very first messy, in other words, the very first time God the Father gave you a picture of his son. Does that make sense? And so, but it was just a little bit. It was just a little bit of revelation. It was just a little bit of truth. He didn't give you the whole thing. He just gave you a little bit. And then down through the ages, he gave you a little more and a little more and a little more. Look at the top of your notes. Look at the top of your notes. The Old Testament has been given in pieces to Noah, to the prophet Noah. It was revealed the quarter of the world from which Messiah would come to Micah, the prophet, the town where he would be born to Daniel, the time of his birth to Malachi. He was told the forerunner who would come before him, who is John Baptist, right? To Jonah, it was a resurrection typified. He was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. Say amen. That was a picture and a type of Jesus being in the tomb three days. Are y'all with me? What's he doing? He's giving them a little piece here and a little piece there. The way I like to imagine it in my mind is, is God is putting together a puzzle for us. And he's giving you a little piece here and a little piece there and a little piece. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Watch this. This is good. It says every one of those pieces of revelation was true and accurate. And each one related to the others in some way or another. Watch what they're doing. And each one, some way or another, pointed to the Messiah, the Christ. But only in Christ Jesus himself was everything brought together and made whole. In him, the revelation was full and complete. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. All through the Old Testament, God has given them a little bit here, a little piece there, a little bit of information here. And it's a little bit by little bit by little bit, more and more and more and more and more. But it, every one of them is pointing to the Messiah. All the sacrifices, all the festivals, all the holy days, all the instruments in the temple, everything. Everything was a picture, a type, a pointing to 
of his son Jesus. He said in the, in the old days, he spoke to us by the prophets. But in, watch this now, in these last days. Now, when we say the word last days, most of us have in our mind the idea of, you know, the rapture is about to take place. You know, we're in the last days. Jesus is about to come back. But did you know when Jesus was born, that ushered in the last days? And when he is saying here, but in these last days, he spoke to us by his son. It is more, it is more saying, listen, there was a word from God that came from the prophets, but the last word came from his son. Jesus is the final revelation. Jesus is the final word. Jesus is the final. Are y'all with me? He's it. He's the final piece to the puzzle. When you put that last, when you put, mm, say amen. When you put that last piece in that puzzle, you get to see the picture and the picture is Christ. When you put it all together, you find Jesus. When you put all the prophets and all the prophecies and all the teachings together, you find Christ. That's how, that's how when Jesus walked with the two on the road to Emmaus, he, he expounded the scriptures to them. What was he expounding? The Old Testament. And what was he doing? He was revealing to them how Jesus was the Messiah from where? From all the puzzle pieces found in the Say amen. amen. What? Well, <laughs> well, I hope you're getting this. This is good stuff. We ain't even got to the outline yet. What about Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch? Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. He's reading the prophets. He's reading Isaiah. And, and, and Philip gets up to him and said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I understand what I'm reading? Let some man show me. He said, is this prophet speaking of himself or some other man? And the Bible says that he, Philip, started preaching Christ in that very same chapter. Why? Because the whole Old Testament is a picture of Christ. So, the first thing I want you to see, write this down. Number one. Number one. We're, and all these points is going to be a different view of Christ. A different... Uh, representation or, or, or description, I guess is a good word. First of all, I want you to see Christ, the prophet, Christ, the prophet. What did we say a prophet was a representative of God to the, the people. He speaks to the people for, for God. Look what it says. Acts 3.22, for Moses truly said unto the fathers, a prophet, say it with me, a, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Where do we find this? Deuteronomy 18.15. Who's Moses speaking of? The Lord Jesus Christ. He foretold, he prophesied that there would be a prophet to come and he came. Matthew 13, 57. And they were offended in him. 
They were offended. These are the people in Jesus' hometown. They didn't want to hear him because they knew him. They knew him as a child. They knew him as a teenager. They knew him as he was growing up. And, and, and they were offended in his, at his teaching. And Jesus said this, a prophet, so he's represent, he's talking about himself. A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. He's calling himself a prophet. Matthew 21, 11. And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Matthew 21, 45. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard the parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Luke seven sixteen, And there came a fear on all and they glorified God saying that a great prophet has risen up among us and that God hath visited his people. Say preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was a representative of God to the people to speak the message to the people. He said, Jesus said this, uh, 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 you have heard, you have heard, thou shalt not kill. But I say, if you're angry at somebody without cause, you have, you're a murderer in your heart, right? He said that you shall not, you shall not lust after women or you shall not commit adultery. But I say, here's a new word. I say, listen, if you've lusted after her in your heart, you've committed adultery already. You see what he's doing? He's a prophet. He's a prophet. He came with a message. He came with a word. He came. The kingdom of God is at hand. So we say, we see that he's a greater prophet. Said you, you revere prophets. You revere prophets. He's talking to Jews. Keep that in mind. The target the target audience congregation is the Jews who were, who were wanting to go back to their old prophets. Say, so you like prophets, do you? Well, let me tell you about this prophet. He's spoken to us by his son. His son is the final word. His son is the final word. We see Christ, the prophet. Number two, we see Christ, the possessor. I love this. We see Christ, the possessor. What does that mean? He possesses, he's owner. It says, look in verse two, hath in these last days spoken to us by his son. That's his, that's his prophetic office. Whom he, talking about God, the father, he hath appointed heir of all things. How many things? All things. things. What is an heir? An heir is an owner. One who receives an inheritance. Are y'all with me? And the Bible says that Christ is the heir of all things, all things. Now watch, now watch Psalms two, seven, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Now, when he says begotten, it don't mean birthed. It doesn't, it doesn't mean uh, becoming in existence. The word begotten here is in reference to the firstborn. For inheritance purposes. In other words, back in that day, the firstborn would receive a way bigger chunk, you know, of everything compared to the others. And really, when he, when the when the the patriarch would die, then he would receive everything. And when he's saying "my begotten," he's in reference to the inheritance that Jesus is the owner. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now watch. Now watch. It says this. 
ask of me, God, the father saying to God, the son, ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Now, now let's stop a minute. Do y'all remember, do y'all remember when, when Satan took Jesus in the wilderness and was tempting him and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth that he was at the time God over in charge of. He's the God of this world. Y'all with me? The prince of the power of the air. And he showed Jesus all, watch this now, all of his inheritance. He showed, now now watch, you got to get this. Satan is showing Jesus everything that the father promised to him. But in order for the son to get what the father promised, he had to go by way of the cross. And what Satan was doing was, was offering what God the father promised to God the son by a shortcut to do it a different way. And by the way, that's Satan's M.O. That's Satan's M.O. He wants you to shortcut God's will. He wants you to shortcut God's way. And listen, listen, Jesus is looking at his inheritance that the Father has promised him. And listen, Jesus knew one day it's going to be mine anyway. One day the father has promised to give all things to me. I, this is my inheritance. Devil, you got it for a short time, buddy. And thank God he didn't submit to the devil. He followed through. Now watch, this is good. This is, I'm going to build up to this. Watch this. After Jesus was completely obedient to the father, fulfilled completely the father's will, he said, I do always those things that please the father. So guess what? After the resurrection, after the crucifixion, Jesus says this, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power, all power. Now that word power is not the word dunamis that we get in Acts 1, 8, where it says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That word dunamis means ability. This word power means authority, authority. In other words, it's like when a cop pulls you over, the cop pulls you over. He has the authority to give you a ticket. Does that make sense? Now, Jesus is saying here on in heaven and in earth, I have all authority. I have all authority. Why? His father gave it to him. Look what it says. John three thirty five. The father loveth the son and hath given all things into his hand. Y'all see that? He hath given all things into his hand. Ephesians 1 20. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Preacher, what are you saying? He is the possessor. He is the possessor. He is the heir of all things. 
God has given him everything. Now watch, watch this. Turn with me to Revelation chapter number five. Revelation chapter number five. Quickly, quickly, quickly. You're not turning fast enough. I'm running out of time. Hurry, 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 hurry. Revelation five. We see the scene in heaven. John has been raptured up, if you will. He is in the spirit in the Lord's day and he's been raptured up to glory. And God's given him a vision of a time to come. And he, <coughs> excuse me, he is there in the throne room. And he is seeing the elders around the throne worshiping and praising God and singing a new song. And, and, and now something happens. Something happens. There is something that is seen. Chapter 5, verse 1, if you're there, say amen. amen. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. That's God the Father. A book written within on, on the backside sealed with seven seals. A document in the Roman days. And during the New Testament times, a document had to be sealed seven times to keep people from tampering with it. In other words, a will or a testament or a deed to property was written up, rolled it up and sealed seven times. Now we have this document and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy? Who is worthy? Who is deserving? Who has a right you see, this document is the title deed to the earth that has been wrested from the hands of Adam in the garden when the devil deceived Adam and he fell. And now it was in the hands of a usurper, the, the devil. Somebody say amen. amen. But who's worthy to take it now? Who's worthy to claim it? Who's worthy to receive it? Who has the right? Who has the authority? And the Bible says... In verse three, and no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, this is John speaking, because no man was found worthy to open to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that the angel scanned over the people. He scanned over the ages of time and looked at all the great prophets, but they wasn't worthy. David wasn't worthy. Samuel wasn't worthy. Isaiah wasn't worthy. Malachi wasn't worthy. Oh, all of them. No man was worthy. No man had a right. No man had the authority to come and take the deed. Come and claim the inheritance. But one stood. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David. The one who hath prevailed. The one who had come and died on a cross. Shed his blood. Raised the third day. Who has all power. All power. All authority on earth. He is the heir of all things. And at that moment he's claiming his inheritance. Give him praise and glory tonight. He's the heir of all things. All things. Say amen. That's good stuff. I'm telling you, they missed it. They missed it. That's what they get. That's what they get. Amen. Now watch what it says. Now watch what's happening. Let me just give you this quick, 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 quick. As he's peeling open the seals, little by little, you know, you've been in here in the Revelation study. 
There were seven seal judgments, seven trumpet judgments, seven vile judgments or bold judgments being poured out. But each seal that takes place, each step that takes place, each thing that happened, Jesus has taken back his inheritance. Taken back what was stolen from Adam. Taken back his kingdom. Now, to the point that we get to Revelation chapter number 11, verse 15. When that seventh angel sounded, there was a great voices in heaven. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. The kingdoms of this world are become the of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. He's the heir of all things. And I said all that to say this. There's coming a day very soon when he's going to claim his inheritance. I think he's better. Amen. Anyway, hurry, hurry, hurry. What was number one? Christ the prophet. Christ the number two. Christ the possessor. He's the heir of all things. He's the heir of all things. He's the owner of it all. Then I want you to see number three. Christ the person. Christ the person. Look in verse two. This gets gooder and gooder. Old preacher said, tweeter and tweeter and tweeter. We see, first of all, who is he? Who is the the person of Christ? Verse number two. Hath in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Watch this. By whom also he made the worlds. Write this down. He's the creator. The person of Christ, the creator. What are you saying? God the Father created the world through his son. Jesus is the creator. The word of the Lord. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word, now, now keep in mind, I'm just saying this, telling you. The word here, capital W, is in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that because later it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Is that the only begotten of the Father? Are y'all with me? This is Christ. In the beginning was Christ, and Christ was with God, and Christ was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Christ, and without Christ was not anything made that was made. What are you saying? I'm saying He's the Creator. Ephesians 3, 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery from which the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. Read it with me. Who created all things by Jesus Christ. Christ. You see what he's doing? He's building his case that Christ is better. Christ is better than any prophet. Christ is better than any angel. Christ is better than any person. Say amen. Amen. We see the creator. Then then B, write this down. Well, I hope I can get this where it's not confusing, but I think you're going to appreciate it. The character. We see the creator. I want you to see the character. It says in verse 3, Who, talking about Jesus, who being the brightness of his Glory. 
who being the brightness of his glory. The glory of who? The glory of God. Right? Now, who's he speaking to? Who's he speaking to? Jews. Jews who are very... Uh, Willie, can you get me a tissue, please, sir? Uh, uh, Jews who are very familiar with the Old Testament. The Old Testament tabernacle, which is the temporary tent that housed the Ark of the Covenant. Right? And then the tabernacle that Solomon built. Now, watch this. Thank you, sir. Uh, now, 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 stay with me. Look at me, everybody. Look at me, everybody. These Jews, when he said this, the brightness of his glory, they knew exactly what he was talking about. It, it reminded them in their minds, they went all the way back to the Old Testament, to the building of the tabernacle. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? When they came out of Egypt, y'all remember they came out of Egypt, went to Mount Sinai. At Sinai, God gave them instructions gave them directions on, <clears throat> on how to build his tabernacle. In other words, the place that a holy God would meet with unholy people. Amen. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And they got all of the materials together and they built this thing, put it all together, put the curtains up, put everything together, built the Ar- Ark of the Covenant, built the Holy of Holies, built the table of showbread, built the altar of incense, built uh, the, 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 the candlestick, the golden candlestick, got it all together. Got it all together. And then watch what happens. The Bible says this. <clears throat> and it came to pass as Aaron, this is Exodus sixteen ten, And it came to pass as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness and behold, what's that? The glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Now watch this. Exodus 24, 17. And the sight, the sight, what it looked like, the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. Y'all with me? Watch this. Exodus 40, 33. Exodus 40, 33. And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle. This is Moses when he's getting it all done. And he set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses, what? Finished the work. When he finished the tabernacle, this is what happened. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now watch, now watch. Before I read you these notes, I need you to understand, God is invisible. He's a spirit. God is a spirit and must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. Paul told Timothy, the invisible God. God is invisible. God is omnipresent. In other words, he's everywhere at the same time. He is, he is meeting with us right here at the same time he's meeting with folks in China. God is omnipresent. God is invisible. But, but there are times in history where God would manifest himself 
He would come together in a place. Are y'all with me? And that is exactly what he did in the wilderness, in this tabernacle, and in the city of Jerusalem when they built that temple. Now let me read this so it makes sense. Fruchenbaum, I hope that's how you say his name. This is how he, this is how he describes it. The usual title found in scripture for the Shekinah glory. And the word Shekinah is not found in the Bible, but it is a word that is used by rabbis to describe the manifest presence of God. In other words, the the part that God lets you see. Are y'all with me? Shekinah, the Shekinah glory. When you see the, 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 the phrase glory of the Lord, did y'all see that when we read those, those scriptures in, in Exodus? They saw in the wilderness the glory of the Lord. They saw a cloud come and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. That's the Shekinah. That's the Shekinah. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. It means the dwelling. Whenever, here we go, here we go. Whenever the invisible God becomes visible. visible. And whenever the omnipresence of God, that means God's everywhere at the same time, is localized. Y'all with me? This is the Shekinah glory. Now, now, so what what is the Shekinah? It is the visible manifestation of the presence of God. Now, let me explain. Everybody look at me so I can explain. God is invisible and he's omnipresent. But there are times in history that he will manifest himself in in a visible form. And and many times in the Old Testament, it looked like a cloud. He he manifests himself in a fire. Are y'all with me? And in this temple, in this tabernacle, when Moses finished, the, the, the building of the tabernacle. The Bible says that the Shekinah glory came, the presence of God came and dwelt in that temple. The uh, omnipresent God localized himself in that temple and that light, that radiance, that glory. Listen, in other words, it's like this. As the rays of the sun are to the sun, that's what Jesus is to the father. He is the expression, the radiance, the glory, the Shekinah, the manifestation of what you're able to see. Why do you think, why do you think that when the Queen of Sheba came to Jerusalem, because she done heard about Solomon, she heard about his riches, she heard about his wealth, she heard about his wisdom, she had to just come see for herself. So she came and spent time with him. He answered all her questions. But then he took her to where he went to church. And the, oh, hallelujah. The Bible says that when she saw the temple and she saw all that went with that, it took her breath away. Why? Has she not seen a temple before? Oh, she'd seen many temples before. She had seen many idolatrous temples and many false gods and false temples. She had seen and worshipped in all kind of places. But she ain't never been to a temple with a cloud in it. 
She'd never been in a temple with a manifest presence of God, the Shekinah glory. I asked Brother Craig one time, I said, you reckon you could see that Shekinah outside that tent? He said, I believe you could see it for miles. That glow, that, that, that brightness, the glory. Now watch this. Watch this. In Ezekiel, I got to hurry. In Ezekiel, we learn that he sees the glory departing. Israel had become wicked and idolatrous and God had warned them over and over and over and over again. You see, God was, watch this now, God was tabernacling with his people. God was there dwelling with his people. But because of their sin, because of their wickedness, because of their rebellion, because of their idolatry, we see Ezekiel. In Ezekiel eleven twenty three. And the glory of the Lord, that Shekinah, that manifest presence of God, went up from the midst of the city and stood upon the mount which is on the east side of the city. That, that's the Mount of Olives, by the way. And then it left. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying right before the destruction of the temple, the Babylonian destruction of the temple, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the manifest, the the Shekinah departed. The glory, the presence of God departed. You mean to tell me that whole time that they had that rebuilt temple, the whole time? Herod's temple was there and they were offering sacrifices? Yeah. There was no glory. It was gone. After a while, 400 years of silence, no word from heaven. Then something happened. You, (laughs) You see, the Shekinah, the glory... The manifest presence of God came into the tabernacle. When Solomon built the temple, it came into the temple. So we see that God came. Say it with me. And then because of their wickedness, because of their idolatry, because of their sin, Ezekiel saw that God... In Exodus, God... But in Ezekiel, God... But in a little manger, in a town of Bethlehem, the Shekinah, the glory, came back, veiled in the flesh of a little baby. How do you know? How do you know? I'll tell you how I know. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Chapter, I think verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. Now watch this now. And dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory. That Shekinah, that glory, that manifest presence of God. Are y'all with me? In Exodus, God came. In Ezekiel, God left. In Matthew, God came back. Say amen. Moses, here's another one too. Man, we ain't never going to finish this. 
Miss Cindy, you jinxed me. You jinxed me. You said three pages. You remember when Moses asked God, show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. God said, no, you can't do that. You'll die. No man can see my glory and live. He said, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and put my hand over you and pass by. And I'll let you see what's left behind after I pass by. And let me tell you how glorious his glory is. That all he got to do was see the remnant of what passed by, yet he come down off the mountain with his face glowing. He was... (laughs) Do you know what though? Moses finally got to see the glory of God. Preacher, what are you talking about? Oh, yes, 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 neighbor. Peter, James, and John, and Jesus went up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John went to sleep, fell asleep, woke up, and there Jesus was. What was he doing? What was Jesus doing? He was glowing. This Shekinah, oh, hallelujah. That Shekinah glory that was on the inside of him. The God on the inside was showing outside. Say amen. That was a man of transfiguration. The Bible said he was transfigured. You say, what does transfigured mean? It means the God in him was coming out of him. He was glowing. He was shining. In other words, what, was, what they saw on that mountain was what them Hebrews saw in that wilderness in the Shekinah glory. Are y'all with me? The Shekinah was coming out and guess who was there? Yeah. Old Moses finally got to see the glory of God. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. That Jesus, he's the brightness of his glory. He's so much better. Church, say amen. Boy, I hope you're getting this. God came, God left, God returned. Jesus is that Shekinah. He's that manifest presence. Don't you see the copy? The creator, the character, the copy. He says in verse verse 3, who being the what? Brightness of his glory. Does that make sense to everybody? Does everybody understand what that means now? And the express image of his person. Now, express image, express image carries the idea of exact what? Imprint. Exact. He is the exact essence of God the Father. Literally, Jesus Christ is the exact representation of the very substance of God. Only Jesus could honestly say, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Colossians 2 9. For in him, Jesus, in him, dwelleth all, say it with me, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, basically in simple terms, he's all God. He's all God. John 1, 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I forgot something. I'm going to back up. It goes too good with the glory part. 
Shekinah means to dwell or tabernacle. In other words, when the Shekinah came and filled the temple, it was God saying, I'm hanging out with y'all. I'm going to dwell with y'all. No other, no other nation had that. No other nation on earth had the privilege of having God dwell among them. Are y'all with me? That's what it means. But do you know what Matthew says? You know what Matthew says? Look at your notes. Oh, you don't have it. I forgot. Well, maybe you do have this one. Look at Matthew one twenty three. Matthew one twenty three. Remember where we said the word became flesh and dwelt among us? And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Matthew one twenty three. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. She shall bring forth a son. That's Jesus. They shall call his name Manuel, which being interpreted is. What the Shekinah glory was in the tabernacle. What the Shekinah glory, the presence of God in the temple. Jesus was in the New Testament. He was. God with us. God dwelling or tabernacling with us. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch. Now y'all are Gentiles. Most of you. There may be some Jewish heritage people in here. But most of us are Gentiles. So we can't really appreciate what that, that really means to the Jew. The tabernacle was so precious. The temple was so, and it's not was, it is now. They will go year after year, day after day, hundreds, thousands of people that will just stand at an old wall, stone wall, because it's the closest thing they can get to what used to be their temple. That held the Shekinah. Now can you understand the magnitude of what Jesus really is? And who Jesus really is? Especially to the Jewish people. Listen. Jesus and said in John 14, 9, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He, read it with me, He that has seen me, this Jesus speaking, He that has seen me hath seen the Father. You see me, you see him. You see him, you see me. He's the exact express image of his person. Then we see, hurry, 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 four minutes. Good Lord, help us. This is a good one too. My goodness. We see Christ, number four, is that right? Number four. Christ the powerful. I know the word's a little weak, but it started with P. Look what it says. Christ the powerful. He not only made the worlds. Verse verse 2. He not only made the worlds. But the Bible says, upholding all things by the word of his power. Now watch this. It says in Colossians 1 16, 
For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things. Say with me. All things were created by him and for him. Watch this now. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. That's a key word. For in him, Acts 17, 28. For in him, Jesus, we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. In him we move and live and have our being. Now what does that mean? In him all things consist. What does it mean? He's upholding things by the word of his power. This is what it means. Everybody look at me. This is good. This is good. I'm telling you this is good. This is gooder and good. Do you know if we were, if we were one mile closer to the sun, we'd burn up? If we were one mile further away, we'd freeze to death. If the moon was not doing what it does, the tides wouldn't work. If this, if, 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 if the earth started spinning just a little faster or a little thrower, it'd throw us into total chaos. If, if gravity, if gravity wasn't kept in its place, we would fly off the earth. Say, preacher, who's keeping all that going? In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is Jesus didn't just make everything. He's maintaining everything. He's keeping the earth spinning at just the right speed. He's keeping the earth just the right uh, space away from the sun. He's keeping the moon doing its thing. It's keeping the seasons doing their thing. He's keeping the air so we won't, we won't <coughs> choke to death. Say amen. He's maintaining it. That's what this means. It means he's in control. He is maintaining. He is upholding. He is keeping everything in existence. Everything consists by him. He's not only the architect, he's the maintenance man. He's maintaining everything. How does he have time for it? By his word. It's what it says. How'd he make it? His word. And God said, and it was. That's how, that's how, that's how mighty and how powerful our God is. Our Savior, Jesus. All he has to do is speak and it's, it, it, it exists. All he has to do is speak it and it consists. I'm telling you, he's better. This writer's only in verse three. We ain't even, he, he, I don't even have to read the rest. I can tell he's better already. We see Christ the powerful. He's upholding. All things consist. Exist and consist. Amen. Number five, we see, oh, red. Christ the priest. I'm going to finish. <clears throat> Hurry. Look what it says. Not only is he upholding everything, but when he had by himself purged our sins. That's Christ the priest. Write that down. Christ the priest. Now remember what we said. A prophet 
is a representative of God to the people. But a priest is a representative of the to God. Y'all see what Jesus is now? Jesus as a priest is representing sinful man. He is the mediator. He is the advocate. Look what it says. Hebrews 7.24 But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able, hallelujah, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth and maketh intercession for him. For such a high priest became, he, became us, talking about Christ for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests. See, he, he's starting to get into their crawl now. He said, y'all want to go back to them sinful priests? We've got a priest in heaven that's higher than those high priests. Who, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. For this he did when he offered up himself. Said it is finished. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by greater and more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands, neither to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He's a better priest. But then lastly, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. What was number one? Christ the... Hurry, hurry. Christ the... Number two, Christ the... Number three, Christ the... Number four, Christ the... Number five, Christ the... Number six, Christ the potentate. I know, y'all don't use that word, but it starts with P. And it's in the Bible, I'm going to show you. The word potentate is, means a person who possesses great power. I think that fits. A prince, a sovereign, a king, or monarch. I think that fits. Y'all laughing at my word, but it fits. Look what it says. 1 Timothy 6, verse 14. That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, unto the appearing of our which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only what? I told you it was in the Bible. The only potentate, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Philippians 2, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. 1 Peter 3, 22, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels, watch this, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Yeah. He sat down. There's a lot to that that we'll get to later. But you'll appreciate this. Let me just give you a little nugget of what's to come. 
Did you realize that there were no chairs in the tabernacle or the temple? There were no chairs. You could not sit. Because you had to continuously offer sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. They could never sit. And the reason they could never sit is because they were never finished. But the Bible says, when Jesus died on the cross, before he gave up the ghost, he said these words, It is and in his ascension the Bible says that he went and sat down which represents a finished work you see you see you sweet precious Jewish people who are being swayed to go back you have a high priest who done what no other priest could do. Amen. Hold fast the profession of your faith because Christ is better. And all God's people said.